0: welcome back to another episode of The Technical Area, the official podcast of the official Hurry Up FC. Josh is here. I'm Ben. Josh has a gun. Well, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm excited to talk some football with you. And uh, you'll be happy to talk about a 3-0 win for Chelsea against Watford?
1: Yeah, um, it was a
0: very important
1: win, obviously, considering the fact that certain players uh, I think we'll get into it later um, were pretty much 0 out of 10 quality against West Ham Um, it was very important for us to get the 3 points against Watford because had we not we would have finished the day um, not back in 4th spot which we have been in since October so I'm very happy with the performance Um, I'm happy with the fact that We got the goal the initial goal early and then from there it's it's Watford they struggled to get goals so you could predict that it was only going to go one way obviously getting the penalty i thought Pulisic did really well to win that um William converting as he's been doing so far since the restart um yeah it 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 was good it was a good first half um second half i mean we kind of just slowed the game down and controlled it Watford didn't really want to press we thought okay we've got a 2-0 lead just get to the next game not exhaust ourselves just passed it around ended up getting a third goal in the end through barkley and um players um were able to get minutes and we had some decent rotation in at the end so i mean it was a good win um but it was a vital win and we will see if chelsea try to build some consistency again going into the end of the season now that i believe there's only five games left in the league and obviously Chelsea and Man United will meet in the FA Cup semifinal, um, so we'll see about that. But at the most, there's seven games left of Chelsea's season, eight if you want to include the um, Champions League second leg with Bayern, even though I think it's kind of <laughs> a joke to include that, but
0: it is what it is. So we wanted to, talking about Chelsea, focus on Angolo Kante, because since the restart he's been playing in that, in that deep-lying role. And the, the base of that three man reverse triangle, if you will, with with two midfielders ahead of it, ahead of him. Those midfielders have been have changed. It. We saw in the first couple of games back Loftus Cheek and Mount changed, uh, exchanged positions. Whether one of them was on the left and one of them was in front of them, and then Ross Barkley has sort of assumed that role. Um, one of the one of those two spots ahead of Conte, Kovacic has played. Um, we haven't seen uh, Jorginho really, which I know that you, as not a as a well, not a Jorginho fan, would would be happy about. And then Gilmore's really only come on in that Conte role um, for Conte as he did when Conte got injured, of course. So we might not see Conte for a while, but is that his position? Do you think that's the right position for him? That base of the triangle? Um, I did a video on it, but.
1: Yeah, I do and I think it's also what Lampard wants from him and wants in term like in, it's a, it's fills a role that Lampard wants in his team. Um, Lampard from what I've noticed in his, from his short managerial career so far, he likes picking up ideas off of his old managers that he used to play under and just managers in general in football and then he kind of molds them into his own So, Lampard, it's clear as day to me, for the future, wants to play with a a sitting midfielder with two midfielders going forward ahead of him, like um, Chelsea used to do back in the day with Makalele being the one that sat. Right. Um, And Lampard, and usually Balak, being the two that would go forward. Um, With Conte, I think that this role is really exciting because. Conte, as we know, has really good technical ability. He can pass a ball. He can spray a ball across a pitch. Um, his recovery tackles are excellent. His reading of the game is superb. Um, I think that this is best to prolong Conte's position because it doesn't include nearly as much running as what he was doing in the box-to-box role. Um, and in terms of Chelsea, I also think it's really good because I think Chelsea lacked um, someone in that or in that defensive midfield role um, that was really just there solely to protect the back line and obviously Conte can do just more than that much more than that and in terms of like starting attacks he's very good at it but it's very important that Chelsea have that kind of player because that's where a lot of the goals and a lot of the areas that they've been scored upon this year have been targeted from. So I'm very happy with it. I think Conte will do very well in it because I think he has the ability to. And I think you mentioned um, he came off injured yesterday. I mean, it seemed like it was just hamstring muscles, like tightness sort of thing. I didn't really look too much into it. He sat down and then he was able to walk off like nothing happened. So, I mean, for me, do I think he'll be playing against Palace? I think it's up in the air. I think he'll be playing against Sheffield United at the weekend without a doubt. Um, I think it was probably just an issue of soreness and the fact that he's played, like, I think four games now in, like, 12 days or something. like right. a very, Four games in a very short time period. So worse comes to worse for Chelsea. Chelsea will just have to go all-out attack against Crystal Palace, a team who struggled to score goals anyway.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because Kante hasn't played this, this position that much in his career. No, not at all. He's usually played in a um, pivot. Yeah, in, in both of his title-winning seasons in his career, both first with Leicester and then the, the following season with Chelsea, he's played in, in a two. Different kinds of twos, of course, with the Leicester's two being him and Drinkwater in that 4-4-2 and then the year after in a 3-5-2 with, with Chelsea, or more of a 3-4-3, three, 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 it sort of depended, um, alongside Matic in, in that pivot where I think he's been at his best. But it'll be interesting to see if he can um, make that, that one-man pivot his own. Um, but with that said, we do want to move on a little bit from Chelsea and analyze City with, with some two crazy results in the last couple of days. First smashing Liverpool and then losing to Southampton just earlier today. But yeah. they really did knock Liverpool off the, off the pitch and, and sort of establish dominance in a, in a way it, however much dominance you can establish 20 points behind them
1: yeah city showed up to that game and they reminded liverpool we're here they 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 said yo liverpool what's up we're still here that sort of thing um in terms of liverpool i mean obviously they win the league they're going to be pretty hung over from all of the celebrations um they had their chances in the first half as well. I mean, they hit the post, I believe. I forget who it was. I believe it was Salah. Um, yeah. I think and so. it could have gone either way. And in these big games, whoever gets the first goal obviously has a massive upper hand. Because if you get the first goal, then that usually entails that um, the manager on the other side is going to have to adapt or tweak something. And if you can always stay one step ahead, then nine times out of ten, you're going to end up winning the game. So, obviously, City get the um, the goal. I believe it was De Bruyne a penalty. Um, yeah, it was, because Gomez fouled, fouled Sterling. And then, yeah, City didn't really look back from there. Um, Liverpool, after that, were pretty abject, in my opinion. City created a lot of chances and obviously went, went into the break 3-0 up. And I was thinking okay they're doing really well here um and then they just carried on the second half i mean they they got um you know another goal um it was marked as an own goal but i think it would have gone in anyway um it might have just been missing by a little might have just been missing but regardless they won 4-0 really really good performance from city and you know it's against liverpool so it's not exactly just like your standard 4-0 like city could get on any given day it's, it's against um, the current champions of England. So, I mean, very impressive. And then you go to Southampton today, and, I mean, it just kind of shows you, like, what City teams will show up and when. Because, I mean, it looked like City today, like, against Southampton. Obviously, they cared because um, they're professional footballers playing for Man City. They're, they have to care or else they're out of a job. But... In terms of, like, games that they were going to be really up for, they're going to be up for Liverpool because they've been title rivals with Liverpool for a while. Southampton, you just go into it and go through the motions. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne not starting probably had a bit of an impact, but fair play to Southampton. I mean, they got the goal. It was a really good finish from Shea Adams, seeing Edison off his line, and they held on really well. Um, City, you know, they probably should have scored, you know, three times at least. But if you're a small team like Southampton, and your team is obviously worse in quality than City, you kind of need that luck in those kinds of games to hold on. So
0: Well, it does show the difference between the two competitive teams. I mean, Southampton don't really have much to play for either. They're, they're pretty yeah. much safe as well. Yeah. But of course, Southampton showed up. Right.
1: And just going on Southampton for a second, I mean, Southampton have had a really good restart. Um, I, I mean, not sure if they've lost a game since a restart, the restart yet, but I mean, I remember they beat Norwich, um, obviously they beat City today, they've been playing really well, um, Danny Ings has still continued his scoring form, so I mean, fair play to Southampton, and really, um, Hassan Huddle in an aspect, I mean, I know you wanted to talk about this, but, um, Hassan Huddle has really recovered well since that 9-0 drubbing from Leicester at home. I mean, it, from what I'm thinking after that result, I'm thinking 9-0 at home. This, this is, you know, breaking records here. This is a, one of the worst defeats in Premier League history. Um, and to recover from it the way he did and the way the squad did, I think it's it it, it deserves some credit. So w- what do you think about Hassan Hubbard?
0: I think he's been great. I mean, I'm just getting the form table up in front of me because Southampton started out, like, very horribly. horribly, yeah. And it, it was it was almost as if one more loss and Hassan Huddle was going to get the sack. But I was, from a neutral perspective, really happy that Southampton, that they stuck with him. Because I think when he came in at first, he was, as Southampton manager, he was really effective for them. And he's been able to keep them in the Premier League um, sort, of, sort of regardless of the amount of talent that they've had. And he didn't start out so well, but pretty much... With the flick of a of the switch after they lost to Leicester, they've been amazing. Um, they haven't looked back. They've I'm pretty sure since they lost to to Leicester, they have a better record in the league than like Tottenham and Arsenal. They've they've actually been that good. And um, a couple of the teams actually who maybe you wouldn't expect are who didn't start so well are, are really good. I think Burnley are also up there as one of the. I think Burnley have the sixth best record or something in 2020. And Southampton are, are right up there with them. Um, ahead of the likes of Spurs, not Arsenal, because Arsenal have played pretty well, have had some good results in, in 2020, um, but ahead of Spurs, ahead of Leicester. Um, so it's interesting to see those those form tables where, where Southampton are, are really bossing it. For the Liverpool and City game, do you think that had a perspective on the title charge for next season? Do you think that... Because in, in, the, in the post-match press conferences, Guardiola was talking about it, and Sterling was talking about it, where it was like next season starts today
1: yeah i mean obviously i think that's a bit of a pr response i mean we know that come next season city will be very motivated to get their premier league back um and i think that they definitely have an excellent chance of doing so um We'll see how the transfer market goes for the likes of Chelsea and Man United, and that will determine whether they're in the race for next season. Um, Liverpool will obviously still be in it, but it's interesting because, for me, if City don't get banned, and once we find out about their ruling in August, um, we'll really see what you know the situation is at Man City. But if City have Champions League football for the foreseeable future... I personally think that um, they will do very well next year. And I think that's going to be another motivating factor because I think if they don't get it, then Pep will probably not commit his long term future there. Um, they're going to have to get someone else in. You know, you might have players leaving as well. It, it might be the start of a rebuild. Whereas if. They are an aging team. They are an aging team, but here's the thing that people have to remember with aging teams. Real Madrid won the Champions League three times with an aging team. All the majority of their players. Right, but were then Madrid's. they had to rebuild. They had they had to rebuild and they are rebuilding. But that's football. I know, you I'm win, just saying City so are gonna when have to
0: rebuild at some point.
1: Oh, City will have to rebuild at some point, yeah. But the point is for the next two to three years they're still gonna be on if if the ban doesn't stand that is, in my opinion City will still be on top of very, very um, close to challenging or challenging every year, and they obviously will have the team to do it. They no doubt have the funds to do it. They have an owner who's willing to back them, and if they help keep hold of Pep, you know it's it's possible. So we will see in terms of City, but um, yeah, I think that next season in terms of the title race, it's going to be a 3 to 4 horse race. And we'll see we we'll, really right now we can it's too early to predict, but I I can assure you that Liverpool and City won't walk it.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think Chelsea and United definitely ha- will have a say in it whether it's to the last week of the season or just for for at least until, you know, February, March. But one of the disappointing things if you're a Spurs fan is that they're not in this conversation right now, nor should they be. They're they're far from it, and they they look like they're going in the wrong direction. They're failing right now, and I don't know if I would back them to win at Everton.
1: Yeah, I mean, Spurs, Spurs, Spurs. I mean, lost 3-1 to Sheffield United. Um, the one goal that they got was kind of a charity goal at the end. Um, we will see, but... I mean, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin have continued their partnership, so it will be very interesting. Um, I think that it's not going to be a blowout by any means, but I really do think that Spurs will struggle in this game, and I think that Everton will get the three points, 2-0 to Everton.
0: That would be an interesting one, I because Devin Sanchez and Eric Dyer, the way they played against... Against Sheffield United, it, it was as if they played football for the first time, the the Eric Dyer losing, I believe it was Liz Mousset for one of Sheffield United's goals, and Davidson Sanchez leaving, um, leaving Ollie McBurney for the third, or maybe it was vice versa. It was it was it was schoolboy defending. It it was honestly like they were playing for the first time. Yeah, I mean
1: with the case of Davinson Sanchez I mean I think that he's done very poorly ever since he's come to the Premier League Um, and I don't really think he's a caliber of player that spurs need and I mean with Eric Dyer Eric Dyer is just another kind of player who's He's not, he center back. he's not a center-back. He's not a center-back. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's just kind of... No, I think I think he's a fine defensive he, midfielder. I think he is just a he very... He be a sub for Harry Winks. I think he's very average. And I think that, at best, he's a bench player. And really, neither of them are fit to play for Spurs. I think the only time that I see them doing anything remotely well is when they're in a three. And um, I don't believe they were playing in a three. No. So, Yeah. Spurs were exposed. Um, They were unlucky on the equalizer because it should have counted where they equalized just before halftime immediately after Sheffield United went 1-0 up. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they created very little, if we're going to be honest, and Sheffield United created a few more chances but the difference was is they took them and against Everton Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin have been so clinical as of late that I think that Davinson Sanchez and Dyer if they're going up against superior players than they were against Sheffield United I mean one would only um, logically think that they're going to struggle
0: yeah that tandem the pace that they have the, the chemistry that they have yeah
1: their link up is really good
0: yeah for sure
1: And I don't know. I mean, I think Everton have players in other areas. I mean, Sigurdsson's a really good player. I think that um, they lack in certain areas as well. I mean, Pickford maybe Pickford's good for a goal for Spurs. Who knows? Um, Michael Keane, I don't think has done very well at his time at Everton. But for
0: the but from the restart, he's been pretty good. He's been pretty good. And I mean, like Seamus Coleman is. It's like. Age doesn't mean anything to him. It's just a number. Yeah. He's been really good the last couple of weeks. I think
1: um, as well, I mean, you, you're an advocate of him, but Lu- Luca Dina is a pretty solid player for yeah. as well. Um, Everton, they've got a pretty good team. Um, and they, they know how they're going to score goals, and they know how they set out to score goals. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I really think that Everton will win this 1 2 0.
0: I could totally see an Everton win. I hope Everton win. I'm. I just. I don't know. It's biased, but I'm. I'm looking for a another Mourinho episode in the, in the pressers. It's interesting to talk about Mourinho while we're at it because we are supporters of two clubs that Mourinho used to manage, and I know that you thought this, and I think this too. When Mourinho left United, I didn't hate him. When Mourinho left Chelsea, I don't think you hated him. It was more after, that he started to whether his his actions and his words, whether it was talking shit about united and the pressers or joining tottenham when he said that he would never as when he was chelsea manager it's it's not even the actions it's not it's not even that he was not it's not even that he left united worse than he found it or maybe the same with chelsea it's it's what he said after it's it's what he did after that that makes me not like him anymore
1: it's for me i mean I already started to strongly dislike him after he left Chelsea the way he did via mutual agreement. Um, The second time. The second time, that is. um, The position that he left us in the players he sold in De Bruyne and Salah and Lukaku. Um, If Jose Mourinho weren't appointed the second time around, I mean... There's no doubt in my mind that Chelsea would be in the position that either Liverpool or Man City are in right now with those players. Um,
0: cause but maybe not the fact, with the title that he won with them.
1: The fact is, yeah, the fact is that we would have had an amazing team right now, and we, Michael emanalo our um, director at the time, had planned for it, and he would really identified the top talent that would have this right now. Um, but Mourinho, with his short-term vision um he just neglected it and just you know he, he the way he treated um, those players in particular was very criminal in my opinion. Then he goes to Manchester United a club that I um have a very strong hatred towards but I I held out for him I I tried to simply because of the football and what he gave Chelsea fans in his first spell, which is. You know, winning, which is something that we hadn't experienced at a top level for a while. Um, But when he went to Spurs in November, that was the final nail in the coffin to me because, I mean, as any Chelsea fan knows, Tottenham Hotspur is the devil. Um, It's really just the arch nemesis, it's the be all and end all of what we hate to an unreal passion. when he did that and especially after saying what he said all those years back i mean it just affirmed to me that he is not really the person that i once thought he was and he's more just very self-centered and kind of a glory hunter uh, and one that will do whatever it takes and has no shame
0: for sure but it looks like at least you and united came off well in the long run it took a little bit of a while with Solskjaer. And and it's still... The jury's still out on whether it will work out. But in the last couple of weeks, since lockdown, there have been some really good performances. 3-0 against Sheffield United. 3-0 against Brighton. 5-2 against Bournemouth. I mean, we've conceded six goals in 16 games. And... Four of them were goalkeeper errors. Defensively, great. I mean... Two goals yesterday, I mean, it, it was defensive and, and goalkeeping mistakes from specific players. But as a, as a unit, they're defending really well. Aside from Maguire not playing well against against Bournemouth, him and Lindelof have have really shined together. Luke Shaw's been playing well. I will be the first guy to criticize Luke Shaw. He's been playing well. When Saka's been improving going forward with two, with two consecutive assists and... He again assisted Rashford against Bournemouth. It, Rashford was just a toe outside. Uh, Matich in front of them has been really, really good. There's stats where he has, I mean, he's, since he's come back, he has like 93 pass completion percentage. and But what's crazy is that he has whether it's 80, 90, 100 touches in a game, and 90% of them are passes. Almost all of his passes are, are one touch. He, he, he never dwells on the ball. It's with Paul Pogba next to him, Fernandez ahead of him, Greenwood banging in goals, Martial banging in goals, and even though Rashford hasn't been, he's been assisting them, it, it really does look like a well-oiled machine.
1: Yeah, it looks, it looks good to your credit. I mean, you've got goal scorers and players who know how to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, in my opinion, you haven't really been tested as of late besides the Spurs game in terms of the teams that you've had to come up against. Um obviously that's not your fault you play the team ahead of you. Um and you've you've executed and done well in that. Um the thing that I would warn you about though is United consistently seem to go through spells. And what I mean by spells are if you look at Skullshire, you did really well when he was first appointed and he you got all the way to March and you were just winning everything, not not dropping any points. And then shit hit the fan, and you couldn't beat Huddersfield or Cardiff. And this season, you start out the season really well, and then you have three months of just utter dog shit. And you were just playing really poorly. And I mean, since the new year has come, you've been really, really good. Um, You've carried that on from the restart. The question is for United, and the question is for critics... Can you do it when you have... I mean, you have Palace coming up, Leicester on the final day, um, and West Ham. I mean, those are the three games that I've identified personally that you might not pick up all three points in. Who knows? It's the Premier League. You could drop points somewhere else. But... If... For me to, you know, confidently say that Man United are quote-unquote back, I think that you need to show... It against those teams and i think that when the next season does start you'll need to carry it on because there can't be in the season this two to three month lull period where you just can't pick up a point or just you're infinitely you just drawing every single game you play um we'll see but i mean in terms of what you have done back to the reality and not the hypothetical um Put away the teams you should have, and you've done it to a high degree. So, I mean, there, there's really nothing must, much else to say. I mean... Nothing more you could ask for. Yeah, I mean... It's, Except to continue. It's kind of what should be expected, but... And what should be demanded. Um, but the point is, the job was there, and the job got done. So, yeah, I mean, fair play to Man United recently.
0: United have this teenager, and Man City have this recently not-teenager. Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden look to be the real deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, Phil Foden, I mean, it's been highlighted in recent weeks, but I know personally that I've been talking to you for a while, but I've been a huge advocate for Foden to start over David Silva for a while. And I think Foden recently has been showing that he, in fact— Probably should be because he's contributing every single game with the goal contribution. He is, you know, consistently linking up play, beating players. Um, and he can play
0: anywhere too because he came against Liverpool. He started out on the right hand side. Yeah, and he I mean he wasn't playing as a right winger. It was positionally he was, uh, logistically he was there, but coming in from there, he, he doesn't have to play in that like opposite De Bruyne role. Yeah.
1: No, he can play. He can play, um, in that in that kind of that
0: whole area that you just talked about. That half space between yeah. the left defensive midfielder, left uh, left back, and left. He center does back. he
1: does so well there. I mean, his his left foot is really good, and his footballing IQ, I think, is another thing that makes him a top top player. Um, in terms of Mason Greenwood, I mean, Greenwood, the thing that I really admire about him is his finishing is ridiculously good i mean left foot right foot very 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 clinical um and his movement's really good he's got pretty good skills um and most importantly and this is what you want from a striker he likes scoring goals it makes him happy when he scores goals he wants to score goals at all costs and i think that's something that when you instill from a player from a young age is really good and then when you combine it with a boatload of natural talent that Greenwood has I mean he will go places as will Phil Foden wherever they go I think is really up to them but I mean there is a scenario and to think about it from the English national team perspective that both of them will and should be starting um, maybe in the next World Cup even And we'll see how it goes from there, but both will be vital to any um, potential success that England probably should have, given the generations that are coming through.
0: Right, you you talked about Greenwood left foot, right foot, and to me, the most astounding thing is how quickly he gets it out of his feet. Right. And a lot of the goals that Greenwood scores, you look at the one against Brighton that was back across Matt Ryan, and you think, it wasn't that far from him, maybe he could have done better. You look at both the goals he scored against Bournemouth. Ramsdale got a tip on The goal, um, fair enough, it was against Astana and Alkmaar, so maybe you think the goalkeepers, you know, maybe that's their level, that maybe they shouldn't be doing better because they play for Astana and Alkmaar. But he scored the same type of goal that he scored against Brighton against them two teams. And you think, why is it that whenever Mason Greenwood shoots, the goalkeeper is, like, plays down a level? But it's just how fast Greenwood gets it out of his foot, how fast the shot is, He's got so much pace behind the ball. And not just that... From the moment he decides to shoot to the moment he shoots, it's... It reminds me of Ruud Van It's almost... It's faster than than when... It's... Rooney got credit for that, but it's faster than Rooney. It's like... When that famous Van Isleroy goal against Fulham, where he takes the whole team, four or five players, and then he sits the keeper down with a little dummy and then chips him. It's... Rude didn't need that extra space to chip because he knew that from the moment he started shooting to the moment the ball was going to be in the back of the net was just a snap. And Greenwood does that except from 15 yards out, blowing it past the goalkeeper with left and right foot. It's honestly amazing. And I know you're going to be doing a video about comparing Greenwood and Foden. I'm going to be writing an article about England and the... Euro twenty twenty, but now twenty twenty one. And and to me I think they can win it because they have all this young talent and they have veteran leadership to go with it. Yeah.
1: I mean, not to get into England we can delve in them for a few minutes maybe, but i think the thing that's holding England back right now is a top manager because I don't think Gareth Southgate cuts it. Um if they do acquire a top manager, I don't really see any reason why they shouldn't go on and win these huge tournaments. And uh, they've got, they because the thing is, England in the past, and recently, you know, I think of Euro 2012, I think of Euro 2016, I think of the World Cup 2014, those were all awful performances in every single one of those tournaments, and... They just didn't have good managers, but they also didn't have good players. This England team coming through is very, very talented. Um, They've got, you know, pretty much a very good player in almost every position at this point. And we, we will see, but I mean, I think that they have a very good shot at winning the Euros, and I think that they have a very good shot at winning the World Cup, so... It's really just if the FA will appoint a new manager, which I'm not sure if they will, but
0: we'll see. For sure, and and all these teams are playing for, um, have got some some interesting roads to the finish, which, of course, we'll we'll get to in episodes to come, but for now we want to finish with something fun, which is, there are five teams that, pretty much until West Ham beat Chelsea, we sort of agreed, were, the teams to go down, and we thought it was four. A while ago because Watford started to do well before the break under under Nigel Pearson but they sort of have fallen back down with the other four teams and those four teams being Norwich Aston Villa West Ham and Bournemouth so those five all look like they all really deserve to go down on, until of course West Ham's last two games and so every year these teams that go down you think about the players on those teams that are going to get picked up by other Premier League teams whether it's the three coming up from the championship or other or other teams in need of course, that'll be more difficult because of of, of um, the market, um, of course, because of the pandemic. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to, of those five teams, come up with a combined 11. And that's not necessarily based on this season, more based on the capability of those players. You'll see with some of our picks that maybe they might have been injured this season, but but we do think they're they're still quality players. So we want to build a, a team, We we looked at all the players and we decided that a 4-3-3 of sorts was was the way to, to go with. And we started in goal. And we had a tough decision because we liked Ben Foster and we liked Fabianski. But we ended up going with Ben Foster because he really does, does end up pulling out those big performances. Yeah.
1: Yeah, with Ben Foster, I mean, this is not to be um, insulting to Fabianski in any way. I think both are top, top keepers. But the thing that separates it for me with Ben Foster is the... Um, Really, he just finds a way to make big saves and big moments in big games. And I think about times, every single time I watch Watford, I mean, Foster, you know, he's, he's got a mistake in him. He's not the greatest with the ball at his feet, but he can save the ball to a pretty high level. He's a
0: great job stopper. And,
1: yeah, exactly. And he, he makes it hard if you're a big team to score against Watford, I mean, besides like, you know, Man City or maybe even Liverpool, I can't really think of a time that Watford have been thumped, you know what I mean? By like a- any team that's, you know, just pretty much better than them on paper. And I think that's down to, um, a lot of it has to do with Ben Foster because of good he is in goal and how commanding he is. So, I mean, credit to Ben Foster. And like I said, Fabianski, I mean, you know, two other random people, it could have been you. So, I mean, both both are top keepers, and, um, yeah, uh, really, that that's what I have to say in regards to the goalkeeper in this team.
0: Yeah, so moving on to the left back, we, we, again, deciding between, oh wait, never mind, not the same two teams, but we have got, I think we start, we want to go with Jamal Lewis on this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I think...
1: From Norwich. Jamal Lewis from Norwich, I mean... For me, he's a really, really good player. Um, he's really young as well, and another really good young English fullback that has been produced. Um, his link-up play is really good. I think his 1v1 defending is pretty good for his age as well. I think he has um, some improvement to do in that regard, but I mean, he's still very young. He's got you know, tons of time ahead of him. Um, I think going forward, he's pretty good. You know, he's just a very solid player. He's he doesn't really have any significant weaknesses in his game, in my opinion. He just has a um, a few things that he can improve on. So, as as most young players do, that is. So I really think that he is um, a good player and a, a player that has a bright future ahead of him. Um, I be- another name that we threw in and we threw it in just mainly because of our affection for the player. That is um, Masuaku from West Ham, and although he hasn't played a lot this season, um, and he's not really a good defender either. Like I think Ben and I both can objectively agree on the fact that he's not a really good defender. That's definitely not his skill set. His skill set is entertainment. But, but <laughs> okay. you know when you just have that player, and you know it's just kind of that player that the streets won't forget Per se, Masuaku was that kind of player. He brought flair and enjoyment. And although he wasn't the best left back in terms of defending, going forward, he was he was a real joy to watch, and he still is a real joy to watch. And um, yeah, I I I always enjoyed watching him, especially when West Ham played, because I thought a lot of um, creativity and attacking outlet came from him um, from his skill set. So. Yeah, I mean, Masuaku, um, a player that obviously has the limitations that, that we really like, and then Jamal Lewis is the um,
0: clear out-and-out out starting left-back,
1: I think, for us.
0: Yeah, we had an issue at center-back, because yeah. we liked Ake and Mings in general, but they haven't had the best seasons. Yeah. Do you think they have to be able to revive their careers somewhere else?
1: I think that they should—the thing that I fear for Ake is— I think Ake could potentially be best suited with a move away from the Premier League and the reason I say this is because he's 5 foot 11 in a league that really requires you to be physically dominant as a center back and I think that he's got a really good technical skill set on him where he can play the ball he's very comfortable with it he reads the game very well he's a smart smart player Um, I think he could be suited in maybe the German League um, maybe you know La Liga, even really, any other league that just doesn't require a lot of physicality, and I mean, in terms of Tyro Mings, I think Mings is just—he's a—he's a good player. He wins, um, you know, he—he he wins his battles um, regularly on a relatively consistent basis. I mean, he's—he's he's had a few ups and downs this season, um, but in terms of his overall ability, I think he's still. The best from these five teams that we could choose from and i think that he has some more to offer in his career if villa go down where that will be i don't know but um he might be a solid backup option at a bigger club that's kind of how i view things.
0: yeah that could totally work out for him and, and be able to work under a better manager we noticed that this list of players that we're going to continue and get to we've got really really young players i mean the oldest we'll get to is is 28 and ming's at 27 is is one of the older of the bunch and so but he, he still, he's still still got room to grow he can still play play under um a more experienced coach that kind of thing i mean yeah. you look at if ake were were to go back to chelsea rather rather until they sold him of course um He'd be able to work under Lampard, work work behind those players, and and maybe even earn himself a spot because Chelsea have lacked defensively, um, especially with with Rudiger and Christiansen. Um, but you know, Chelsea of course went, into, went in a different direction with Zuma and Tomori, who definitely I think appear to be better players than than Ake. But that doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't have a, a future in the career in in uh, have have a career in whether it's in the league or like you said in in. In other leagues. In other leagues, whether it's, you know, Bundesliga, right. La Liga, that kind of thing. At right-back, we also had uh, a dilemma, again, be- between West Ham and Norwich players. I like Ryan and Fredericks a lot. Mostly, I watched him in the Chelsea game, and I, I thought he was just great. I, I know that-, that Pulisic was able to-, to to have some industry down that left fl- lat- down, um, Fredericks' flank, but he seemed really really solid that that not much was able to get through
1: yeah i think frederick's is a decent player
0: um i think that
1: the way i would describe him is um like kyle walker without the technical ability he's got that athletic frame to him Um, in terms of pace he's very similar as well um and just the sim, he's got a very similar play style. I just don't think that he has the technical ability of Walker. For my pick, I went with Max Aaron's, um, uh, the the fullback and right back for Norwich. Um, like his counterpart on the left, I think, uh, Aaron's has a very bright future ahead of him. Um, I think that he's really good at linking up. His pace is really good. Defensively, he's a very good player. And he's still twenty. He's still twenty. I think he can work on the um crossing aspect of his game and getting forward, because that's that's really required from a modern fullback. It's not so much a luxury anymore. It's required if you're going to be a top, top team. And I think that he he's going to go places. Um, he, he's He's got what it takes, in my opinion, to make it at this top level. He's shown that this season. He's got top attributes. He can link up well as well. So in terms of uh, Max Aaron's he he edges it for me over Fredericks because I, I just think that he has be- better defensive qualities
0: and he reads the game a bit better than Fredericks does. Moving into the mu- midfield is where we get fun, where it gets fun because I think we probably think that the best player on this team that we've made, which is you know by default the best player of the five teams, is sitting in that number six, and he's been a star since the restart. And that's Declan Rice.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't even say since the restart. I would say all season. Uh, I think Declan Rice is a player, and I'm going to steal um, Harry Redknapp's words on this that he used for Lampard way back in 2001, but I'm going to just be very honest with the listeners here. For me, he's going straight to the very top of the game. I think he's got everything it takes to be a world-class defensive midfielder, and um, And I think he's got everything it takes to be a top center half as well. And I don't really think you find attributes in a player like that very often. I think he has the footballing IQ of a 28-year-old in a 21-year-old's body. He he can pass it left foot, right foot. He can spray passes. He breaks the line with his passes consistently. Um, One chance that West Ham created today against Newcastle stemmed directly from a very, very... um, well-driven pass that he started and it just started a whole move and newcastle just couldn't cope and it all started from declan rice and athletically he looks kind of sluggish but his long limbs and his strength really allow him to win his, a lot of his duels and, right and his positioning and too his positioning is outstanding um he he's not the fastest player in the world he's still pretty fast though and i just think that ultimately he's a very gifted player with a lot of talent and it looks like he could be going to Chelsea. It seems like Frank Lampard is very interested in him. Um, we will see how that ends up after
0: the season ends, obviously, and when the transfer market opens. And it'll be interesting to see who, but also where he plays, uh, who he plays for and where he plays, because we saw him play center back for um, uh, against Wolves, and even though they lost, he played really well in that game. And even though he's only played center back once, it, it looks like a position that he could he could adopt. And and it's a pl- it's a position that he has played his entire
1: youth career. It was only until he moved in into the first team for West Ham that he started playing at defensive midfield because they didn't really have that kind of position. So if anything, that shows his versatility. Um, I think that I think if say he does go to Chelsea, Lampard wants him as a centre-back. I think Simon Johnson wrote an article about that for The Athletic about how he's really Lampard's number one choice target in that regard and I think that he could very much help Chelsea in their defensive issues back there assuming that you pair him with Zuma there's a lot of physicality in there a lot of technical ability, a very good reading of the game and ultimately two top, top defenders and we'll see what happens with Rice but for me this summer... There's no doubt in my mind that I think Declan Rice will be moving on from West Ham.
0: Continuing with this 4-3-3 for the first of the two more forward midfielders is is DeCoure, um, out of Watford. And he can play more deep like uh, like Rice has, but he's been playing farther forward and and maybe hasn't showed his top form since the restart, but really has that, that box-to-box game where he can be effective in the opposition's box, he can be effective in his own box, can tackle well, can pass well, has that engine, um, and isn't the flashiest of names, but at 27 years old, he's in, his, he's in his prime, he could definitely do a job for for one of those mid-table sides to, whether it's as a starter or off the bench, or even as as a another option for a, a team like Arsenal, if they do end up selling, selling Gendouzi, I would... I would take a, take Decoray if our Arsenal.
1: Yeah, I think Decoray is just a player that's been solid, um, and I think that's the word that I use to describe him. Uh, I think box-to-box box is probably his best position. Um, he is technically, I think, pretty underrated. He's got some skills to him. Um, he, he can drive with the ball very right. well. Um, I think shooting, I think he lacks in a bit. Passing, he's okay in... Um, his positional sense is really good and I think the where he contributes most is his defensive contribution right. I think he's really good at winning the ball back I think he, he reads the game really well I just think he's a really smart player um, This is without mentioning the fact that he is very athletically gifted as well um, he's got an engine on him he seems like he stays fit forever which I mean that is kind of in my opinion uh, a quality that isn't talked about a lot in footballers and Funnily enough, I don't want to keep going on about Declan Rice, but a quality that um, he, he as well seems to have because he's played every single... Um, he started every single Premier League match for West Ham this season. So, I mean, yeah, Decore getting back to Decore, a very solid player. Um, yeah, he could definitely do a job at a, at someone like Arsenal, maybe. I, I know Arsenal fans probably won't want to hear that, but I think him and Thomas Partey could be a pretty good pairing. So, who, who, who knows? But I think that ultimately decoray is a good player and um the best player that we could pick for that position in this team.
0: Yeah, and alongside him maybe a little bit maybe a little bit further forward in that that staggered 433 if you will. Um is Todd Cantwell. And at 22 years old for Norwich, seven goals to assists in a let's be honest, a poor poor side. 22 years old, he's he definitely looks like a bright spot if if they had one.
1: Yeah, I think Cantwell's a good player. I think that he needs to work on his passing and maybe his dribbling, but I think his shooting is there. I think his link-up play is pretty good. His movement off the ball is really good. And his well.
0: decision-making will improve as he gets yeah, older. Yeah,
1: definitely it will. I think that Cantwell is going to, when Norwich go down, I think Cantwell will move on what, where he moves on to. Um, obviously, he's up for grabs, probably to a mid-table side, I'd want to say. Um, but... Ultimately, I think he's a good player, and he, again, um, you know, continuing the uh, um, trend of Norwich players that we have in this team, he's he will go places in football, and it's just a bit of a shame that his boyhood club
0: is, at the moment, not doing the greatest and will go down. If you're wondering where Jack Relish is, we stuck him on the left wing because he has played there for Aston Villa this season, and we liked... Cantwell and decor enough to put him in the team more than we've liked than we liked other competitors that Grealish has on the left, but he does like to cut inside and and take up that half half space that we were talking about that that channel between the midfielders the defenders the le- the the right back and, and the right center back, um, most fouled player in the league, uh, plenty of goals, plenty of creativity looks to be moving on to United, and. Definitely a player that, that will stay in the league, whether it's United or, or someone else, somewhere else, I think.
1: Yeah, I think Grealish is... He's a good player. However, I think he has faults and clear faults in his yeah. game. Um, he's not as clinical as I think he should be. He he doesn't pass amazingly well. He wins cheap fouls a lot, but ultimately they aren't that effective. Um, I think he'll do much better on a better team, obviously, but... Like you said, I just think he's probably the best player that we can pick in this position.
0: Yeah, I mean, nine goals, eight assists in all competitions this season, uh, and it's not like he's going to go into United and 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 take Bruno Fernandez's position off of him. That's that's not going to be Grealish. He's going to be someone that would that's going to come off the bench for for a big club, whether it's United or somebody else, um, and be able to just be a better option than than what a club like United has in in Lingard or Pereira or Mata and and be that that difference off the bench. And of course, he's Villa's captain and and has definitely been a leader for them. We saw what he could do in the championship. Um, So he'll definitely be be that, continue to be that Premier League player regardless of of whether he can improve or not. But again, like 24 years old, he can still get better. Uh, On the right, we also had a little bit of a disagreement. I know you like Ismail Assar from Watford. Yeah,
1: um, I think Saar is a really good player. I mean, he's got a very good skill set. I think he, he knows how to find the net well. he He's very good at the late man run. Um, he's definitely a player that's going to get better as well um, in terms of passing and link-up. But I think he's a good goal scorer, and he's good 1v1 as well. So Sar is a player that if you haven't watched um, strongly, I would advise you to. I think he can definitely um go places in the league or abroad um yeah just ultimately with Saar I think he's a good player and like continuing the theme of this team young
0: and will get better 22 years old and I went to went with a 23 year old I like Emiliano Buendia from Norwich I know he hasn't scored this season but he's in the top 10 in the league in chances created and really everything Norwich succeeded in especially in the beginning of the season because that really was the only time that they succeeded was through Ben Buendia and it was normally Buendia to Um but tons of chances created for Ben Buendia and I I hope for him that he's able to move on to a side that will be able to to take advantage of him um, more so than Norwich were able to which which brings us to our last our last position finishing this off with a striker and not that we had a disagreement, we sort of just agreed on two, um, which was that I think in terms of this season, we like Josh King from from Bournemouth, who would be the oldest player on this team at, at 28. But in terms of an overall player, as much as he's been injured for a lot of this season, Sebastian Haller from from West Ham. I know they signed him this summer from, from Eintracht Frankfurt. Of course, last season he was partnering Luka Jovic and... That volley that he had in the David Moyes' first first game back, um, really great heading ability. He can be that target man and score goals. Um, and if West Ham do go down, that I don't think they will. I would like to see him move on to be that backup option. Backup option at a club that that needs that second striker. You know the way that that Giroud plays for Chelsea or had the season. I think Helder can do a job.
1: Yeah, I think with um, Josh King, I think he's a really good finisher and his movement's pretty good. Um, and I think that he could definitely be a backup striker at most teams in the league. Um. In terms of Haller um, again he's a very good finisher. We saw it last year with Frankfurt. Now uh, he's very clinical. Um, his movement's really good. His link-up play is really good. He holds the ball up very well. Um, I think that. He could definitely move on and start. I don't think he'd be content with being a bench player at a big team. I think he'd want to start somewhere. Um, and I think that you know he'll probably he might end up staying. He might end up going. Who who knows what the future of Halle is? But the point is, wherever he goes, in my opinion, he will get goals and he'll contribute in his own way and he'll justify the fee, most likely, assuming it's not something absurd.
0: Well, that's our eleven. if you want to keep track. We have Foster in Goal, Jamal Lewis at left back, Ake, Mings, Fredericks or Max Ahrens, Rice, Decore, Cantwell, Grealish, Buendia or Sar, and Heller up top in that 4-3-3. So first of all, let us know what you think of that team if there are any additions you want to make, subtractions you want to make. We'd love to hear them. But I think one of the purposes of us making this was, A, it's fun, uh... But also, we look at this team, and and they're good players for sure, but there were positions where, where we struggled to find players. And at center back, we looked at Ake and Mings and, and saw players that, that were good players. And, and last season, I would have totally picked them in this team, but sort of were disappointing this year. And I think it shows that these five teams really do deserve to go down i mean declan rice is saving west ham if they're not they're not going to go down but it's almost single-handedly declan rice keeping them up and and these teams are are lacking in in so many different areas and often you find teams going down and you want to pick players off of them because they're going down but they have some good players and we really struggled a lot a lot of the time on this list because these teams don't to, to be perfectly honest
1: yeah, um, a lot of these teams, like we said, I mean, I mean, pretty much besides West Ham at this point, like you said, they kind of just do just deserve to go down. Um, obviously, one of them will stay. Um, it's really up for grabs and it's really just who loses less games at this point to decide it. But ultimately, um, I think that if we were to have this as a team in the Premier League, I think that this team would finish mid-table somewhere yeah. around there. Well, yeah, probably around there.
0: But you would expect better from a combined 11 of five Premier League teams. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you this this bottom five
1: has definitely been one of the worst ones in the Premier League. I mean, last year was pretty awful with Cardiff and uh, Huddersfield in terms of talent.
0: But even from them, you got Aaron Moy, you got Ryan Sassanio from Fulham who went down. Fulham, yeah. I Fulham mean, it's a bit disappointed. Players. Fulham uh, had some players, but
1: this year it's i think it's been better in terms of the teams that are going down like i think Norwich are better than Huddersfield um i yeah. think that um Norwich are probably better than Cardiff in talent wise in that regard but we will see um what happens to these teams i mean if you're a supporter of one of these teams i wish your team all the best um <laughs> that that is besides west ham of course um and yeah we we will see but ultimately
0: yeah mid-table finish and maybe a cup run for this kind of team yeah for sure well if you like this this end of the episode where we sort of have fun with with players we were thinking about tier lists comparing teams comparing old history teams um just off off camera we were talking about a list of of the 10 best premier league midfielders with the caveats being they had to have won a league title and they had to have played at least 200 games and we had a lot of fun with that um we have eight and we still can't get the last two we're trying to figure it out but if if that's the kind of content that you're into we have a lot of fun debating uh off the mic and and so we're happy to do it as, as part of the show on the mic um but that's us for the day this is the technical area thank you so much for tuning in you can find us on anchor spotify all of the different players podcast players they all have the technical area we're happy to be there and depending on the site you want you're on you can like share rate review um please uh, let us know if what your thoughts are if you if you like it if you if you want to see certain things we're we're happy to do it we want to do what what you want to hear and josh of course has his twitter carefree banksy um where he talks about all things chelsea and also has been doing some some great work instagram videos for the official hurry up fc our instagram um just had a video on angolo conte's position um, and, and he's going to be comparing Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood, as we referenced earlier. I've been writing for thehurryup.com. There's the the football section is where you'll find most of my work. Um, football being being soccer, of course. And in addition to that, you can catch us at the official Hurry Up FC. You can catch our affiliate if you like basketball and football at the official Hurry Up on Instagram. They have a bunch of followers and they post daily daily content just like we do. Um, that you can find if you're interested in that kind of stuff. If you're interested in basketball and football, you should also check out the Hurry Up podcast, which I'm also a feature on. I talk about the other football there as well, which is a fun time. We just finished recording uh, that episode before we started recording this one, so that was pretty fun. And yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.